Hello, and welcome to the Influence Watch podcast. The Ford Foundation, while created by a famed family of arch capitalists, for decades the institution, long though likely no longer the largest private foundation in the country, has been the financial backbone of the radical left. And now, some are proposing taking radical action to counter its influence. Republican candidate for United States Senate from Ohio, J.D. Vance, spitballed on Tucker Carlson's Fox News program, quote, why don't we seize the assets of the Ford Foundation, tax their assets, and give it to the people who've had their lives destroyed by the radical open borders agenda? Joining me to discuss what to do about the influence of the Ford Foundation and the broader influence of big philanthropy is my colleague Mike Hartman, director of Capital Research Center's Center for Strategic Giving and co-editor of the Philanthropy Daily Giving Review blog. Uh, Mike, welcome back to the program. Uh, thanks so much, Mike. Is this my third time on? I, uh, I at question. least second, yeah. probably third. Yeah, that, that sounds that, that sounds about right to me. Quite an honor. No, I actually appreciate that. <laughs> Where uh, is co-host Sarah Lee? Isn't she <laughs> being uh, penalized by not having uh, Sarah uh, in on the questioning? Oh, no, no, no. Uh, she, 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 is, she is on vacation, which is why our posting schedule has been slightly delayed. Okay. Um, so before we get to the question, uh, so turning to turning to big philanthropy, before we get to the question of what is to be done, uh, let's outline the issue. Um, give our listeners sort of the background on modern big philanthropy, where it came from, how it got its money, how big it is, uh, and how it ended up so left wing. Yes, to be brief on that is difficult, but doable. Modern big philanthropy, you know, capital B, capital G, right? Uh, if, capital B, capital P. <laughs> capital B, capital P, right? Big grant makers would be G. Uh, is It depends how you define big, right? When you want to put a number on it. But uh, it is big and getting bigger, uh, liberal and getting liberaler or more liberal or <laughs> progressive. And I believe, we believe, I believe the work of Influence Watch and the Capital Research Center uh, provide evidence for the belief that it is becoming more politicized as well. Uh, I am trying to avoid giving you a number to how big it is because that is too difficult. But uh, I mean, but I mean, we're talking in the billions of dollars, at least in terms of assets. I know with the Ford alone. In terms of assets, that is exactly what we are talking about. Yes. Uh, to characterize big philanthropy, uh, you know, I worked at the Bradley Foundation, a legacy foundation is what that would be considered. Uh, and the legacy foundations, which come from wealth generated, you know, usually a while ago. Uh, and 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 unusually for legacy foundations, the Bradley Foundation is ideologically conservative. Exactly. Uh, but consistent with what I'm categorizing here, uh, as would most categorize it, uh, with legacy foundations, that money comes from, well, in the industrialization of America uh, relatively recently. Again, this is yeah, this is Carnegie Ford. Uh, are there Vanderbilt foundations? <laughs> well, I'm sure there are. I can't come up with the names for you immediately on the right in the minority uh, numerically and uh, asset wise would be Bradley and Scaife. Uh, Olin would have been one they have spent out. Uh, most of the foundations with Rockefeller. Did you mention Rockefeller? I, guess I did not mention Rockefeller. Uh, Shame on me. So, but now uh, big philanthropy, as it were, is becoming more Silicon Valley eyes, given the the way in which wealth is generated in our country uh, now. Additionally, I guess, uh, but it is for the most part coastal, and I would say 
big philanthropy for the most part would be considered by most people. And, and I guess we'll get to this with the Vance criticism by most people. It would be considered uh, elite, you know, established. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, I mean, this is this is like, you know, you mentioned the new Silicon Valley philanthropy. You have Chan Zuckerberg initiative of Mark Zuckerberg and his family. You have the Emerson Collective of Steve Jobs's widow, Lorene Powell Jobs. Uh, a lot of it is run through the Silicon Valley Community Foundation, which is this donor advised fund money handling entity um, that handles uh, the charitable giving of a number of prominent uh, Silicon Valley figures, um, again, almost exclusively on the political left. Yeah. Then to your question, Mike, about, you know, how did it go left? Or this is a long time problem for people uh, in and around philanthropy that are conservative. Uh, the legacy foundations, the, the the wealth generated by industrialization that then went into uh, private foundations, uh, became left through violations of donor intent for the most part. I am simplifying. I have to say, yeah, right? It, like, like it's one thing. It's one thing when it's one thing when you know Lorraine Powell Jobs, who is left progressive, gives a bunch of money to left progressive things. She just is left progressive. It's another thing when Henry Ford's legacy is being used to fund outright socialism right so that you know that's how it that's how that part of big philanthropy became left the newer part of big philanthropy so it would probably uh was born that way you know <laughs> so, uh, and that's fine you know that's their uh prerogative on the other hand it should be noted as as i'm sure we'll get to and has been noted should be noted more maybe uh and then you're going to want to get to what could perhaps be done about it. And there are proposals all over the lot that we can uh, at least categorize uh, in, in the time we have here. But uh, big and getting bigger, liberal and getting uh, more liberal uh, and getting more politicized, I think. Or if you prefer in, in, and consistently with calling it politicized, sh- more short term in outlook. Uh, all of so it. so instead, instead of, you know, broad ideological transformation over decades, it's more how do we advantage our side for the next two years, four years, six years. I think there's a little bit more of that. In fact, a lot more of that. And even six years uh, seems like a little bit of a long <laughs> for, for many to be taking now. Uh, mm-hmm. I mean, it, it again has, has been documented by work with which we're familiar because we work at the Capital Research Center. There, there is a, There's a lot of politicized grand making. All right. So again, we've, we've been sort of building up to this now. You know, we're using... J.D. Vance's comments on Tucker is a sort of jumping off point. Seizing assets and expropriating this legacy money, that would be extremely radical. Uh, And many would argue it would, in fact, be radical socialism. Um, (laughs) What else can be what are the other things that can be done? I mean, is that like there's a history of. Inquiries into foundation involvement and ideological advocacy and politics even to the less of a degree that foundations were once involved in politics yeah first can i say let me, i'm going to do a little mini defense here of vance i do not believe he meant to say seize the assets of the ford foundation i believe when he said quote seize the assets of the ford foundation comma tax their assets uh that latter clause there was meant to be corrective or, or you know uh mm-hmm. Mm-hmm position i have yeah, to say that, no, he, no. that he was that he was in fact just proposing proposing a tax not 
outright expropriation. That is my interpretation, because you one would not both seize and then tax. You wouldn't need to tax what was right. You can't you can't tax what you have seized because you seized it. (laughs) I guess I'm uh, absolving him of any responsibility for proposing seizing. But we shall see. uh, then on the history of investigations, there have been, you know, the, the, it's not new that there's been uh, primal scream objections to what's been going to what had been going on in uh, uh, in philanthropy in the past. Uh, there was there, including, by the way, congressional uh, investigations and committee hearings and so forth. Uh, I know you're familiar with the Reese Committee of the 50s when, again, the temperature was pretty high. There was some. Uh, Trouble in the land, right? There was a yeah, right. It was right after Joe McCarthy, sort of height of the. I guess that'd be yeah. the second Red Scare. <laughs> uh, exactly, and you know, uh, yes, yes. Uh, so Reese is often connected uh, to McCarthy, maybe, uh, maybe fairly. You know, uh, I don't know, but there were others. You know, there was uh, investigations uh, leading up to the '69 Act, uh, including ones led by Six, 69, 69 Act. That was a, a tax law passed in 1969. Exactly, which essentially is what philanthropy is still operating under hasn't been changed since uh and there were investigations led there by i think house ways and means committee member or chairman uh wright patman a liberal democrat you know or, or right. democrat. this this was during the, the period of long control of the house of representatives by the democratic party yeah so it's in you know in the wake of that committee's work that the 69 act you know tried to uh, develop rules which would be consistent with philanthropy being more charitable and less political than it had been considered at the time and plausibly so but uh you know the, the, yeah the, the 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 temperature uh being as high as it was in america culturally with the reese committee you know we might we might be approaching a similar we might be in such a period now uh with an attitude not a it's what the hell is going on there with this uh tax beneficial uh, status given these foundations and, and what's being done with this money. You know, I'm trying to avoid the word subsidy because that raises hackles. But, uh, you know, uh, and in general, Mike, I think this is not unhealthy. We, we, there, there's no natural right to be a foundation or there's actually nothing in the Constitution. Where right. I mean, there, there's no there's no natural right to not pay income tax in a situation where there is an income tax. Exactly. Exactly. So that's where we are, I mean, I was going to start quoting you from the Reese Committee, which was uh, it presaged culture wars, which ha- occurred in our country, uh, well, throughout the 70s. And, you know, now here we are again uh, in, in the whatever we're in the, the 2020s. Uh, so I think it's a good and healthy thing that philanthropy needs to defend itself and that it's on the defensive, uh, given its size. Uh, and it's not and, and uh, it's not only on defensive from attacks from its right it's also facing criticism from its left right oh by the way more of the criticism is coming from the left uh the, it's the progressive critique of philanthropy which is bothering it uh there's not well, because left. because they are because they are liberal progressives well you know, exactly. your, your own your own side saying that you're being bad as opposed to your adversary saying you're being bad always troubles you more well and there's some something to their arguments you know they're like well what is this anti-democratic oligarchic big philanthropy thing doing uh to me, I'm waiting for both the progressives and the populist conservatives to look for friends among each other. Uh, but maybe mm. that kind of thing can't happen anymore. You know, 
because uh, you'd be accused of looking for friends on the other side, which is well, a thing. well, but I mean, you haven't you haven't seen that as an obstruction in. I mean, it's in the news this week because there were the the yeah. hearings with the ostensible whistleblower, a uh, uh, Facebook whistleblower person. I yeah. mean, you've seen like Ken Buck, who's a Tea Party conservative Republican, you know, pushing antitrust bills. Yeah. Uh, with the Democrat, you know, with the House, his, his House Democratic colleagues. I mean, so you, you can, I think, still see, especially in these questions of, of oligarchy, the populist conservatives and the progressive liberals, uh, you know, laying down their <laughs> laying down their arms and yeah. uh, and attempting to come to terms uh, again, be curious to see if philanthropy can go the goes ends up going the same way as it yeah. seems like at least in the short run tech is going well i agree with you that there is not that i guess if i say obstacle that might tip my hand as to what I, but yes in the big tech context there uh, might be uh, agreement between those two ideological camps on uh well the nature of the problem uh and then uh, to a certain and large extent what to do about it if and when that migrates over to the big philanthropy context we will see but uh, if you're for that sort of thing then the context of big tech uh, would be heartening to you what's happened in the context of big tech would be heartening to you uh but i don't know uh, you know i guess i have cautious trepidation about it but we will yeah. and by the way it takes a while there's no reason this would need to happen tomorrow or the next day Oh yeah, no. You're talking. You're talking a process of year of year cycles, decade, possibly even decades. And then one other thing to note quickly, uh, Mike, is there is a lot of overlap or some appreciable overlap between big tech and big philanthropy. As right, I guess we, we have we have mentioned Chan Zuckerberg, we have mentioned Lorraine Powell Jobs. Yeah. There are more. <laughs> yeah. So how about you want me to bore you now with a, a, a categorization of some of the things that have been proposed? Yeah, trying to lay out lay out some of the of the of the reform ideas that have been that have been proposed and I mean give your your assessment of them. So of course it's cost free to just throw an idea out there, which means there's a lot of them out there. Hence the need in a short podcast to categorize and not uh, <laughs> describe. I mean they are all over the lot. I think this is a good and healthy thing. Uh, I'd be all for that kind of discussion. Uh, I work for a C3. We don't lobby. I'm not for or against any of them, but uh, you know, some don't seem unreasonable. How about that? If I can, put I, it we can, but, we can uh, put it that way. <laughs> so on the aggressive end would be, uh, well, I get, let, let's flip it the other way. Let's go less aggressive to more aggressive uh, to start. And, and I don't know if this is policy or not, but certainly increased accountability, transparency sometimes. Uh, and then you can fight about donor privacy and so forth. But uh what you do for a living, what the Influence Watch does, what the Capital Research Center uh, does, which may or may, may or may not be the same or overlap, bringing uh, attention. Public, the public scrutiny. Exactly, to what's going on. All right. And then you would – so, okay, if you want to do something about it, help do that. Uh, I'm not doing fundraising for CRC here, but that would be one way. Uh, and that public scrutiny can come from the left, and that is a cross-ideological thing to say, uh, and I think it should be. Uh, then, of course, public scrutiny on the part of policymakers just asking, applying the current 69 Act law to what's going on would not be an unhealthy thing and, and might result in some behavior altering uh, you know, things which would put philanthropy closer to charity than politicization. Uh, that would be a good thing. So that can be 
hearings, you know, usually mm-hmm. that's their investigations, not unlike there were before. Now, that did lay the foundation for policy change because uh, they felt it was necessary, given the way they were uh, engaging with philanthropy. There were some uh, hostile appearances, I think, before the committees of, of uh, interestingly enough, a Ford Foundation president uh, at the time, George Bundy. Again, uh, Ford keeps coming up because they are <laughs> old and very large. <laughs> And then on the details of the, you know, so okay, the, the, it, then you can, uh, you could just change the legal structure, try to define better the words, literally the statutory words, charity, uh, and then I don't know that the word politics is in the actual statute, but they're, you know, wondering you have to define the way in which policy, politics, or politicization might detract from or violate the purpose of charity uh, in Section five hundred one. C3 there. Right. Uh, Existing law, existing law is, you know, 501 C3 like Capital Research Center or like the Ford Foundation cannot intervene in elections. Correct. So, you know, as you know, uh, as we know, lawyer words are spheres of meaning, not points of meaning, perhaps even more so in this area. Uh, so within those wide spheres of meaning, you know, there's a lot that fits into charity, uh, including public education during the weeks preceding elections, you know, voter registration things, which are quite geographically uh, narrowed to the uh, point thing, where things might... that are things that are proximate to politics, but not officially politics. Right. So you can see why when someone like Vance says, well, why don't we just drop the whole pre? Let's get rid of it. You know, <laughs> have the tax, get rid of the exemptions, essentially what he's proposing. That would solve the problem. Now, if you want to do things short, right? Because then, then it would be then it would be like, well, in many, I mean, you see many with the the um, the Silicon Valley guys uh, yeah. and women uh, who are setting up these philanthropic LLCs. They just they they don't want the scrutiny and they don't want the uh, restrictions that come with the tax exemption, so they don't take a tax exemption. They are refusing to bargain with the state over how they're going to be regulated when they give their money away. That's correct. And that is uh, they could afford to do it. Right. Maybe in right. A way they, that got, I, they got so. billions of dollars. They can do whatever they want. Yeah. But at least you and I are not subsidizing. It would be what someone might note, uh, you know, or that people who disagree with what they want to do with their philanthropic dollars uh, aren't subsidizing. If it's they're, 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 they're taking they're taking the penalty of paying tax. <laughs> right. And then let me just quickly, again, with the word subsidized, say, OK, all right, uh, an, an incentivized tax system or a tax system set up to incentivize, <laughs> which is. Right, you know, yeah, they're, they're, you get you get a benefit in exchange for taking on certain restrictions. Right. So then now within the spheres of existing meaning in the 69 Act, you know, Congress could. Or the IRS could regulatorily, uh, I guess this would most of these that are on this list or in these categories would have to be done by by law, uh, by by the legislative by you could uh, change the dollar amounts permitted to be spent or given away under the tax exempt status of the structure. You could change the percentages of assets uh, permitted to be spent or given away under the existing tax exempt status. You could change the timelines during which grants would have to be made, you know, to keep the exemption, uh, the, the tax beneficial uh, mm-hmm. status. Uh, you could change the rates of the penalties, as it were, or the taxes that apply when you go beyond those strictures, uh, be they, you know, time or dollar amount or, or whatever. So this is like the hand on the spigot, right? Uh, mm-hmm. uh, if it's the case that somebody wanted to just put a dollar amount 
uh, on what needed to be spent or what you could spend to keep the taxes in. Yeah, I think it might be the case if you pick the largest foundations, you'd be mostly dealing with liberal ones, actually. Uh, this happened in the higher education context. It might have looked to someone as if the increased, uh, you know, excise tax on uh, investment income applied only to certain <laughs> institutions of a certain ideological bent. But, you know, it, it was a neutral number that they picked uh, at any rate, uh, they thought. Uh, and then there are more narrow proposals, you know, to prevent the operating expenses from counting against the required payout amount. You know, the I. Mm-hmm. Uh, what you spend on your headquarters building with nice uh, oak paneling and, you know, how much you can fly everyone to the Seychelles for the board meeting, you know, maybe that shouldn't count against the the money that's supposed to be going to charity. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then be other ways to limit uh, the way in which such expenses, expenses could be considered, you know, abusive and violative, including for family members that's been proposed. Governance mm-hmm. requirements on boards make them quote unquote independent. There's a sphere of meaning for you, but okay, you know, <laughs> uh, the demographic makeup of the board, some have proposed the compensation you can give to leaders of, of, of these uh, institutions. Uh, you could, and someone would say it would be necessary for you to do so, uh, to implement some of these policies. You could beef up IRS enforcement, uh, which requires a budget, an increased budget for the IRS. They would be quick to point out, and that would not be unreasonable from their standpoint, uh, I would say. Uh, DAFs in particular are getting a lot of attention right now. Donor, that's that's donor that's donor advised funds like the Silicon Valley Community Foundation. Exactly, which you mentioned, uh, and that does, by the way, seem to be where the energy is right now. Uh, unless you also include within this category larger the the, the subject matter area we're talking about, higher nonprofit higher education mm-hmm. is getting a lot of uh, attention because of the huge endowments. Uh, and the perception that it's uh, doing things, you know, not helpful to America's sense of itself. That's that core, the Vance beef, the populist conservative. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. And that's basically it. That's where I would look. You know, Britain. So I would pay attention to the higher. Ed- well, the big tech discussion, as you pointed out, the higher education discussion is going to have implications, uh, as has been pointed out by a pretty good professor. Uh, the, I do not know her personally, but uh, the Giving Review has covered a law review article by uh, University of Kentucky law professor Jennifer Bird Pollan, where she was evaluating the increased excise tax uh, on investment income uh, for higher education. She said, well, why not? Why not foundations? You know, which is essentially what's being asked by others now, including mm-hmm. Vance. She tweeted mm-hmm. out after Vance made his remarks. And she says, I didn't realize he, we agree, you know, and that <laughs> in her case, I think was maybe minimally embarrassing. Uh, I mean, it's that it's like you were saying earlier, you know, you have these criticisms from the left and these criticisms from the populist right that sound very similar. Yes, Um, exactly. And then I would look to, you know, Britain's having an interesting discussion about what charity should be and what it should be able to do and not unrelated questions. And as things that occurred in Europe uh, should have been seen as presaging what happened here in America, but many missed it. You know, I think it's probably worth paying attention to what's going on there in Britain about what should and shouldn't be exempt and how uh, the degree to which things should be considered charitable. I guess I guess in the last, you know, in our kind of our last little bit, what what's what is the sort of two minute precy of that debate? Uh, You know, uh, we kind of, I guess, just uh, what should be considered charity? Charities are considered too woke by some on the right there. Uh, I don't know whether to call it the populist right or not. I'm not there, but I think that's what it is. Uh, And what should we do? You know, some of uh, the Labor Party leader just proposed getting rid of the 
uh, I'm going to say tax exemption, which is how they would put it, the charitable you know, status of mm-hmm. private schools. Now, by that, he mm-hmm. means he's talking about eating. He's talking yeah, about eating and that are elite, you know. So uh, that's my quick summary. The, that, that's what I think is worth paying attention to over there, what happens with that particular suggestion and uh, the existing government's charity commission uh the secretary overseeing uh do i have the the, the minister overseeing yeah, that hey we got a responsible government official exactly we got to pay attention to the wokeness of all this and kind of crack down on it so you know this is not uh limited only to america yes. and i don't and i think we're just seeing the start of it you know mm. if there's with vance talking this way whether he wins or not you know you you you're the title for him was a Senate candidate, whether he is going to be that or not, or in the Senate or not, uh, he'll certainly be a leader among populist conservatives. You know, I yeah, think. no, he, he, I mean, he, he was a prominent, I mean, he was an author and a social commentator before he uh, decided to throw his hat in the ring and become a politician. Yeah, yeah. So I think we're just getting started with this healthy, vigorous, and hopefully rigorous discussion about charity and philanthropy and it's a good healthy thing even if everything ends up the same they will have better justified it than had been the case i think Mm. (laughs) just putting them putting through the scrutiny is good in and of itself exactly i mean uh i that i do believe that yes all right i mean unless unfair questions are asked or something is that what they're okay but you know debate in america is maybe a little more hurly burly uh, than it was in the 70s when we had the private by the way filer commission following the public ones but uh, and, and there might be similar efforts uh, coming online here now currently we will see all right well thank you again for joining us mike hartman you can read his work at capitalresearch.org and philanthropydaily.com's giving review blog That's our show for this week. We encourage our listeners to subscribe on Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, or Spotify. And if you have subscribed, thank you. And please leave us a five-star rating. Those ratings really help us find new listeners, especially if they come with a positive review. We'll see you all next week.